is that recording? Yeah. Oh, okay, right. Delete all of that. All of that was off the record. I think we'll start it by you saying, is that recording? And then I promises to delete it. Right. So, will we introduce our special guest this week? Our second ever guest, and it's the same person. Yeah. We've only ever had two guests on, and they're all the same person. So, we're welcoming Dave Curran to our show. Yep, yep. And Dave, formerly of the podcast Inspireland, still available for people to download if they want to. Grania asked me recently, why is six ninety nine a month going to some crowd that lives in America? That's quite. That's why. Yep. Keep keep the dream alive. So it's well worth a listen if you want to. Inspireland, superb. It's really good. Superb. You should start it again. I'm always saying that, but you should. Yeah, yeah. Just like quarterly so, okay. or something like that. Yeah, know? yeah. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll just have you on. Maybe but we can just like I think you a put circle more, of. I think mm-hmm. they put more work into one episode of Inspireland oh, than we put into all of this. One hundred percent. You did actual research and <laughs> research, stuff. Although yeah. I do have my yes. notes. You have notes. I have my notes. I have a note. <laughs> yeah. My first note is that, Paul's yeah. hair and clothes. Oh. <laughs> so that, that, that's a show on its own. Reminders. That's yeah. one of the biggest things I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah. So we're talking about Get Back, the Peter Jackson uh, doc, three-part documentary on Disney Plus, and here's an introduction. Sorry, it's Disney Plus. Disney Plus in, <laughs> Fra- in France. Yeah. And here's a du- an introduction from either Lorraine or me. It's January 1969, and the Beatles, although they don't know it yet, are about a year away from breaking up. Since the death of their manager, Brian Epstein, Paul McCartney has become the band's de facto leader. After the technically demanding Sgt. Pepper and the gruelling double album, The Beatles, universally referred to as the White Album, the band feel a return to their live roots is needed. The plan is to write their new album in a matter of weeks and perform it in an exotic location less than a week later. The camera crew are on hand to document this. Can the Beatles navigate the long and winding road to get back to where they once belonged? So, uh, were you big Beatles fans before this as such? Not at all. So, two or three of my closest friends are are huge Beatles Mm -hmm. fans, right? Um, I know you're a massive Beatles fan. My cousin Connor, who you know, is yeah. a massive Beatles fan, and another friend of mine. So, actually, the people I know who are most into music, are, yeah. are you know, who, who I spend a lot of time with, yeah. and we kind of respect the musical opinions, are massive Beatles fans. And Sgt. Pepper would have been a very important album for me at one stage in my mm-hmm. life. And I've heard all their other like albums. Like when you were a kid? or Yeah, like at about, at about or? I think, maybe 18, uh, when I was kind of listening to a lot of alt-rock, mm. I then went through a stage of Sgt. Pepper. That's probably when it came out on CD for the first time. Could have been right? something like that, yeah, because yeah. I don't think it was a recommendation actually at that mm-hmm. stage. You know, I don't, I don't think it'd be a game yeah, between yeah. or whatever. So yeah, it might have been that. Yeah. And just absolutely fell in love with the album. But I know, I, I couldn't call myself a Beatles fan. I really yeah. didn't understand the Beatles outside of that. Right. And then down through the years, I've probably heard two or three of their other albums. Well, I don't know how many albums do they have. They have the 11 boy? studio albums. Okay, so I've maybe heard four of those albums, but the only one I know well. Yeah, it's around. That many? I think it, yeah. yeah. That's mad. And it's I gotta go through the thing now. I've got a little timeline here to okay. I was not a Beatles yeah. fan. Yeah. Right. Well, I was the exact same in a way because I always was aware of the Beatles, obviously, and my father would have been a big fan. And then in Leaving Cert, we studied Sgt. Pepper's mm. for our, you have like a musical the- theoretical section. That's young. Yeah. And you did cool stuff like that in English. Yeah, yeah, in music. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Well, we oh, did Macbeth. Macbeth was kind of cool, though. I yeah. like Macbeth. There was, but we also did film and stuff like that, and I think yeah, that okay. we were the first year to do that. Anyways, so, so yeah, <laughs> I really am. So we studied. Um, I'm not actually that young. Well, that's the thing. Younger but, than us. Yes. That's, well, it's not necessarily that. Um, <laughs> we studied Sergeant Pepper for the music part right. and I loved it because I'd never heard it before and then you were listening to it on these amazing speakers in the music room and, and all those little parts with, you know the audience noises coming yeah, in yeah, and, yeah. and Paul McCartney pretending to be the whatever conductor or whatever and saying all these different lines I just loved it because it was all Sergeant very Sergeant Pepper I believe is who he's pretending to be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay. but, um, well, so that was anyway that was my introduction right. to it but yeah so I was the same like Sergeant Pepper that's interesting Pretty much, yeah. yeah. But had heard of all, you know, had heard all the sixties, the early sixties stuff, right. like with my father playing them. Right. Back. So but you you were a proper Beatles fan. Well, 
I guess, yeah, it was always in the head. Like, I have an aunt who went to see them in the Adelphi, and she gave me a copy of Rubber Soul when I was younger. And it was an original copy as well, so she bought it at the time, and it, it was this really brittle record I was afraid to play. But it was, um, yeah, so they were always in our house. And, and my brother bought the, the first box set of, of albums I ever remember of Beatles records. But, um, yeah, so they're always a fan of them. But I think there was one thing I wanted to mention was just how condensed their career was because I think a lot of people have watched the eight hours now of, of Get Back and people who didn't really watch it or know much about them beforehand and they're making huge assumptions about the Beatles now and Paul is a control freak and all of this stuff you know? but it was uh, but such a condensed career like the first record was the album was March 63 and their last one was May 1970 That's and they had basically two albums a year so 63 was please please me and with the beatles 64 was a hard day's night and beatles for sale August, 65 was help and rubber soul 66 was revolver their final live show and 67 was sergeant pepper 67 was magical mystery tour 68 was the white album which is a 30 track double record 69 was yellow submarine album and the get back sessions begin september 69 abbey road and in may 1970 let it be so, equivalent of 13, 14 yeah, albums in crazy. seven years. Yeah. And we look at someone like you two who are on their 14th studio album in 40 years. Oh, you know, right. the time yeah. period is just so yeah. compressed. And their age is so. Because yeah. we, we, were in, we were in a group mm. together, obviously, WhatsApp, and I texted you mm. when I watched the first one. Yeah. And you were saying that he's like 24, McCarthy, in that? Tw- he's 26. 26. Sorry, 26. Yeah. So imagine George is twenty five and the other two are twenty eight. So, so imagine having changed the world. Mm. Yeah. So you're going in to make this this the last time they played together, right? It was yeah. obviously an album after it or whatever. And you have already changed the world mm. of music forever. Yeah. Do you know? Yeah. Which is remarkable at that age. Yeah. Think about it. Yeah. And like none of them were thirty just, by the time it was all over. Yeah, I couldn't know? get over how young they were. I just always assumed they were at least in their thirties by the time they were kind of coming towards mm. the end of their career. And I think we were talking about this recently where I went back last year because uh, like that I knew a lot of people who were big Beatles fans and I'd never listened to all the albums so I listened to every single album oh no sorry I haven't listened to Yellow Submarine I think it was a Yellow Submarine there was a couple yeah, of them where I kind of thought I don't know if I need to listen to that <laughs> or the Magical Mystery, Mystery Tour, Tour or whatever it's called one or two good tracks in it but they were kind of their soundtracks to the films basically oh okay mm-hmm. right they're, yeah they're not but, really studio albums in that traditional sense okay you know? right but all the rest of them I listened to but I didn't I had no idea it was so condensed either that I mm-hmm. thought they spanned over at least a decade and that they were all at least in their 30s and mid 30s by the time they finished but but the thing about them changing the world of music by the time they're 26 like I was thinking that as well when I was watching and going what must that be like but it seems like they probably just didn't even I'd imagine they just didn't even think about that like I don't think you can Mm. almost see we've no concept of of the Beatles as an active band yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a band that's bringing out records and their new record is being reviewed. That was all done by the time any of us heard the Beatles. So we, we don't, we, we never had that anticipation of a new Beatles record and, mm-hmm. and could enjoy them as a contemporary band. And yeah. they, got, they got slated as much as they got praised, you know. Yeah. By, I think by the, um, the album that came out just before this was the White Album, and it's 30 tracks. And it's kind of, the, it's kind of like two and a half solo records. Right. Like George gets, I think, four songs or six songs or something over the whole thing. And the rest is Lennon McCartney. And they really are acting as individuals with the others as their backing band more than oh, ever okay. at that point. Mm-hmm. And that's why Get Back was to kind of get them back to being a band again and playing together. So yeah. they were very fractured at that point, you know. And the traditional mm-hmm. narrative has always been that Let It Be uh, was a very tough album to make. And it was, they were always at each other's throats. Mm-hmm. And that's what I really liked about this is that it kind of reset the perception of them uh, and they were enjoying it and they were friends and yeah you know mm. but it's, it, it does come across a very harmonious kind of so thing. you mentioned like just there as you were talking earlier you said that people have been saying that Paul was a control freak right mm. so I haven't seen any of the the discourse around this yeah, mm. yeah. I just haven't right yeah. so you know all I've seen is like a few tweets where people read mm. crazy but obviously there is this what are people saying so they're saying Paul's a control freak because I kind yeah. of came into a cold yeah and that's no the interesting to see because yeah, yeah. no one is yeah. what are people saying well about? people are and it seems about to be people guys. who don't know anything about the Beatles or what went before or because a year before their manager died 
and that's when yeah that's when they had to do the white album they've gone to india they really work him as individuals was he still alive when they did the white album uh, he, he 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 died just before because it was actually he died very album. young like 35 yeah, or something, something like right? that you know no, was it a drug overdose or something an, ac- a, an accident oh, you okay, know prescribed yeah. drugs thing okay. so sergeant pepper was may 67 and in august 67 he died right so okay. then they went to beetle or to india in february 68 and the, in November 68 the White Album came out okay. so they were kind of rudderless without him because he was kind of he would tell them you're going here and you're mm. recording on this day and you're doing you know Mr. Yeah. Epstein it's very yeah. cute the way they so all the very old old fashioned uh, showbiz yeah. relationship yeah. they had with him but he was he was kind of a, he was a father figure to them he wasn't he wasn't the greatest businessman when they went to America first um, they, they met with all of these um, people are going to sell merchandise and they said to him, "So we're gonna, we've got all of these products like beetle wigs and stuff like that, and we're gonna do like a ninety ten split with you." Mm. And he went, "We get ten percent," and they went, "Yeah." <laughs> and so he basically gave away ninety percent of their their merchandise. And they had been saying that they get ninety percent is what they they, they were percent. saying. They were going to give the Beatles ninety percent of it, and they keep ten. Oh, and he just God. misinterpreted it with a kind of English kind Aww. of you know uh, pessimism, I guess, in a way. Yeah. But yeah, so he wasn't. As, as a lot of managers in, in that time were, they weren't great and they were being screwed by record labels and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And, uh, it was How just uncharted territory. So by the time we see them, are they all rich enough? They are, mm-hmm. but they're not as rich as you think they were. Okay. When the Beatles ended, they, there was surprisingly little money in the bank. Oh, right. And it was particularly for... There was enough, but yeah. you would think there'd be more. So mm-hmm. I think it was Yoko who really took control of okay. John's yeah. finances and kind of built that fortune back up again but okay. they, they were they were by any stretch of the imagination very very rich yeah, but not but as not much as you would think, think. Yeah. yeah yeah so can, can we talk about our impressions can I tell you my impressions of the man mm-hmm. yeah so like I say you know yeah. and I think I said it again in our whatsapp group but for me it was like it was a documentary because I knew nothing about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so I'm looking at these people for the first time having like no, I had nothing yeah. so all I could have told you about the Beatles in advance was that John Lennon was shot mm-hmm uh, I had heard Ringo wasn't that good a drummer obviously incorrectly yeah. um, knew nothing about George Harrison and nothing about Paul McCartney except he was alive yeah. that, that was all, like, this, you know and now and again you'd see him at award shows and every yeah, like, yeah, fun yeah. okay so uh, but I just fell in love with them all yeah. so the first thing to say is like you have this documented thing yeah mm. before everything was documented mm. so to have that access and that yeah. level of before everything was documented mm. was absolutely remarkable and after the first episode but it kind of it carries kind of throughout it my really keen sense was this huge sympathy for George, yeah? Yeah. As, as this immensely talented man. And then Paul and John seemed to be in love with each other. Yeah. yeah. Like, they really seem to be in love yeah. with each other, at least musically, right? Yeah. And he's there watching these two be yeah. in, And there's nothing wrong with that love. Yeah, yeah. But he is not. He's, he's a third wheel. Yeah. But like me here today. He's, he's, he's a third wheel. <laughs> you are the George. Exactly. Are I am the George. And I feel sad like George felt. And the camera, obviously they create the narrative, right? But when the camera goes into him at the end of the first episode and you just see the vulnerability in his yeah. eyes. And that was my feeling is that nobody has done anything wrong here. Paul yeah. seemed perfectly lovely. Yeah. John seemed much quieter than I thought and perfectly yeah. lovely. And then as George tried to assert himself mm. in his little moments, and you could tell it was almost like, you know, when you're a child and somebody does something on the road, mm. uh, roads up in Dublin, like streets and stuff <laughs> like that. Yeah. Sometimes there comes a moment where your ma says, you, know, you go back out there now, and I don't care how big he is, yeah. but you give him a dig the next, or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, because this moment we have to stick up for yourself. Yeah, yeah. And it felt very much like yeah. George was, yeah. he wasn't just reacting in the moment, there was this weight behind him, this, yeah. th- these these a thousand like real or perceived slights right yeah. and then he says his piece and Paul like very nicely and politically and kindly but honestly kind of says yeah that's a that's a good idea but and like he seems to be right but I know nothing about music you can maybe tell me on this you know yeah. but I just felt so sorry for him so you have that and then Paul McCartney might be the greatest looking human who's ever lived that's the, that's well, the oh, I never thought that until I watched this documentary oh and then I was God. watching it his, his hair was just yeah, unreal it was like so shiny it was like he just came out of a hair ad so his hair yeah. and his beard yeah. was amazing and his yeah. clothes we talk about his clothes <laughs> that yellow everything he wore I remember thinking I want to wear that yeah. like he, a, a man or a woman <laughs> yeah. could wear that and look yeah. very stylish. he made waistcoats look good yeah he just made everything <laughs> look good but I never thought but it was a very specific moment in time though because I yeah. never thought that about Paul McCartney before or after 
of it's the power of the beard now. again. But it, it's the beard. I, I like, it's like makeup for men. I don't know why not every man in the world has a beard, but he's very. Um, that, it was that. There yeah. was something about the way he looked then. And I don't then, think he ever looked as good again. Yeah, right, that was. Yeah. Uh, and then he just was. He was so confident. Well, obviously he was, but he also seemed so. I was just so surprised at how down to earth they all Lovely. were. Yeah. So down to earth, and yeah. yeah, like that. I totally agree. They, John and Paul, they really were in love with each other. It was like they were constantly trying to impress each other. Like mm. anytime Paul was talking or like coming up with a song, he'd be looking at John for. For, for yeah. kind of almost like approval John would be the same yeah John was a lot quieter than I was expecting as well but then found out yeah, afterwards he was heroin. on heroin <laughs> at the time <laughs> really? so yeah, that was, was a lot dabbling, of dabbling but, yeah, uh, but also I think, yeah. I think George's problem was he couldn't keep up yeah and he's, he's very George is very from all accounts he's quite a difficult character at times like if you listen to Sgt. Pepper when it gets to what's the song you skip on Sgt. Pepper you were saying within I don't you without know that, you, I don't the Indian one that George forced onto the album okay. that does not fit right, it doesn't yeah. fit the concept it doesn't fit musically it's not it's all of a sudden it's a very English album which is supposed to be about where they're growing up and mm. because they couldn't include Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields on it which was the original plan because they had this weird thing about if something was released as a single it didn't go on the album okay and uh, so they should be on the record and it's all about their childhood and Penny Lane and Strawberry Fields are places they would have gone and stuff like that but once you take the concept was kind of lost when they were removed mm. from the album but it's a very English album you can you can trace the line from there all the way through to Park Life by Blur or something like that yeah, the yeah. of it. but but all of a sudden you're in India and unless you're saying something yeah, about you know British mean, colonialism yeah. in India yeah. it's the only real point you would have to go there mm. George was just into Indian music at the time mm. and he was determined so you, to get it there. yeah but you've been in bands so, mm. you, so, so you understand the first of all the creative process that we got to witness sure. which mm. I don't yeah. but secondly you understand that where there's a respected band member with the, these ideas yeah. but, but they might not fit and the other guys know because you have to say McCartney yeah. had absolute confidence know. in yeah, you know yeah. but he should know did he know he, he, how could he not I just don't see how he could I think he was just so you know, and I have to maybe you have to kind of give it to him in this case because he it was such stiff competition. Well, see, that's the thing. Maybe, it's just, I think I think he's know, yeah, like standalone. You have to fight for his track or two tracks yeah. on the record. You know, yeah. I think like standalone, he's really good. I really like George Harrison stuff because I listened to a lot of it afterwards, and there's almost like kind of a there's actually almost like a bluesy sort of almost country twang mm. to some of yeah, them that yeah. I really like and that I mean mine and a couple of the ones that he, he came up with on, during this documentary yeah. I love them but they're so I think Standalone is great but when he's with John and Paul I just think he just couldn't compete they're just like on a completely they different are. level yeah. and I think what he does is amazing I, but they're just yeah. another level that he couldn't compete with and yeah it really just felt like that That was obviously been going on for years and I just think that maybe he did know but he just felt like well I'm in this band too so I need to put yeah, forward absolutely. my Stuff and he was and he did isn't that it like yeah. Yeah, he, he yeah. had he had basically a, I don't know if it was a spoken or unspoken agreement where he would get like two songs per record okay and but I think he should have been able to see that that song disrupts the album and just write a First more because yeah. I do like it standalone actually I don't yeah, mind I just, it there's lots of good things in it but it's just a, a sore thumb on that album yeah it is yeah. quite you know? different so then, then there's the, just on that yeah. there's, there's the great moment then uh, so we can spoil our way here yeah, yeah, yeah so there's the great moment then in the second episode where after George has left and um, John and Paul meet in the canteen mm. and record the flower pot microphone yeah. they, they yeah. put it yeah, yeah they put a, a, a microphone in the flower pot as the two of them discuss what yeah. they're going to do and what happens yeah. and what I loved about that conversation was was that they've absolute respect for George yeah and yeah. I speak about him so kindly because mm. when you kind of when it comes up in the documentary I'm thinking oh I don't know if I want to hear this because yeah. like you know we spoke before this yeah, started recording yeah. about somebody in a way that was maybe less than 100% kind mm-hmm. and we all did that concept was going oh we really don't want to hear anything now yeah, that colours me yeah, against yeah, George yeah, yeah, yeah. but they were actually really kind yeah. and yeah. understanding and, and, like they, and yeah. rated him they yeah. rated him yeah. Oh, yeah. which yeah. is they not they as really much as themselves did. yeah that pretty much yeah. George is the real so. all bands have one all good bands have one he's the real secret weapon of the Beatles in terms of his playing and what he adds to it right, he's, he's okay. not like there's there's 25 George Harrison songs in the Beatles catalogue and I would say five of them would be known to the average man in the street okay, okay. and you could you could maybe boil that down to two you know with something and uh, Here Comes the Sun okay which are probably the two best songs on the record they're on yeah um, but 
he just wasn't as prolific and he couldn't yeah. do it but he, he they really respected him and rated him as a player they know? really yeah. did yeah. And, yeah. Like, and he he joined the band when he was 14 yeah he was so and when young. he was 17 he was getting 14, deported from yeah. Germany because he was playing in underage sex shows with the Beatles you know playing 8 hours a night on stage yeah, out of their mind on, on amphetamines and stuff like that were they? So yeah oh absolutely yeah. that's their 10,000 hours they always talk about was yeah. but they were into Hamburg, and, yeah. speed yeah. and all that oh, yeah. stuff well yeah. in, in a way they, they felt they had to to play 8 hours because a night they were, playing they were drunk and on speed yeah. for there's months a, on end there's a really good night, yeah. uh, you're wrong about episode about uh, it's about how Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles as in she didn't no, obviously she do that so they're busting this yeah. myth but they talk about that in the beginning you know that John Lennon was married to another woman called Cynthia mm-hmm. and he was just away all the time but he was just constantly on drugs because he just he had to keep himself awake because they mm-hmm. were just playing for so long and then from then on it was just like for him anyway it just seemed like constant drug use from then until not sure maybe up until he died but the thing about the 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 a conversation they had in the canteen i thought as well that might be a bit of a might be a bit of an argument and i don't like hearing people no. argue because i was thinking i'm thinking oh i don't want to hear no. john and paul now that, knowing that, that yeah, yeah but yeah. it wasn't they were and the whole way through i just i was so happily supplied presently surprised about how they were all so civil to each other yeah, they yeah. were so polite we could so all learn civil. a lot from how the oh, beat yeah, yeah. yeah totally like in the what? first the first episode was probably the one where there was the most you know paul got going god I can't do this by myself or whatever yeah. but then you know even with that he was still it was all very yeah. you know it was all very civilised nobody kind of spoke out of turn they were saying what they felt but saying in a really nice polite yeah. fair way the two yeah. sorry yeah. Uh, the two most moving parts I found in it were um, at the end of the first episode where they're all about to go to George's house to, to have a chat yeah. and it's the first time they're all getting up to go and the first time they put hands on each other and kind of give each other a little hug yeah. I just found that incredibly yeah. moving yeah. because I think it made me realise that it was the first time I'd ever seen the Beatles interact with each other as people up until then it's all performance it's mm. all you know TV shows or they're very much playing to the camera but this is the first time and I, I hadn't really realised that beforehand that they interacted with each other as people yeah. and you, you saw that mm-hmm. but the other thing was when George stopped to help Ringo with Octopus's Garb oh that's lovely which was just the sweetest thing nice you know? and, and I, I think it, it, it speaks to his character that he would help him out that yeah. way you know? that was really nice because yeah. it was before Paul McCartney and John Lennon got there do you remember that it was yeah. like in the second or third episode yeah. and he and Ringo just and I hadn't I had heard that song before in the past but I didn't yeah. I hadn't heard it in and years then he helped him out with a, with a uh, chorus for it yeah but the other thing was, was after George left and it's the next day and John hasn't arrived yet and Paul and Ringo are sitting there and Paul goes and then there were two and the camera lingers on him for so long and his eyes start to fill up and he's he's kind of his fingers are kind of rubbing together just at his lip and he doesn't know what's going to happen and you can see he's been holding it together for so long Mm. and I think it's um, he had to assume the Epstein role in it because the others they, they can be quite listless at times in it you know they yeah. just they yeah. don't seem to have his enthusiasm yeah and you it, do like we were saying know? before you do, yeah. when you have a group of people like that somebody has to kind of be the leader Maybe somebody has to be the boss yeah. somebody has to be the one to say come on we have yeah. to do this yeah. but that was what was really nice that I thought about Paul McCartney and John Lennon's relationship it's like John Lennon brought out the playfulness in Paul McCartney that yeah. might have been there otherwise but Paul McCartney was the one who kind of yeah. kept him on the straight and narrow and actually got him to produce yeah. some stuff because it was like John Lennon almost seemed like he obviously was extremely creative and musical genius I yeah. suppose you could call him but I think he needed someone like Paul McCartney there with him to get yeah. some of his best they stuff They definitely out. needed each other like yeah. it's so functional it's the opposite of dysfunctional how they are Yeah, like the, the way they kind of operate with each other I, I just think all the way throughout because like I say I kind of fell in love with Paul McCartney how he looked how he behaved really respected him John is a kind of a more silent presence in, in this mm. and then when they start kind of jamming together kind of playing old songs or covers or whatever mm. you get that beautiful yeah. kind of freedom and just yeah. outrageous mm. talent where it's just like so easy for them yeah. in some ways yeah. I say easy but just you know talent based but, but you're right you do get this sense when they're interacting with each other in those parts mm. that Paul is always the one that's like yeah we got to get something mm. down now or we've mm. two hours left yeah. or whatever and then John at a couple of points is like I think we need to wrap it for yeah. and he's just reached the yeah, end of his absolutely. limit yeah. and, and the mad thing is like we've all been there mm-hmm. but to be there with three other people are dependent upon you it's like yeah. I, I often think to myself it's amazing that society for all the fractures we feel are in it now it's amazing that we're not more fractured because yeah. every one of us have our own desires our own needs our own wants mm-hmm. our own beliefs so to actually get to a day function as a society is kind of mm-hmm. remarkable yeah. mm-hmm. and I felt the same about the band afterwards 
and even when you talk about that history, say in Germany, imagine the history these guys have, yeah, yeah. and all the like the, the small, brilliant, and awful, and middling mm. things that happen to them. Yeah. So the fact that you can ever get four people in a room mm. with different ideas about things generally yeah. to produce something for a day and to start at the same time and finish yeah. is kind of. Yeah. Like they all need to be very, very flexible, yeah. you know, because you might just hit your stride at the point with, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I might be an evening person, yeah. sure. you know, and, and you yeah. need to be you need to be having your dinner every day at five. Do you know, there's there's just yeah. so much in that. Mm-hmm. But just like one of the other things too was like, man, is Ringo Starr the coolest human being who's ever? He's, he's so lovely, gem of a year and his day. shirts were brilliant yeah. as well. All of those he's, flowery shirts that yeah. he. How had. many words does he say in the whole thing? <laughs> yeah. Not many, but I think I think with him, he's just that great example of one of the reasons bands break up or implode or whatever is job envy the singer is a frustrated songwriter yeah, yeah. and the guitarist yeah. is a frustrated singer and you okay. know or there's role envy or the money is to be split differently or whatever but Ringo knew his job he mm. was a professional drummer before he joined the Beatles oh he was okay, he was right. he was playing in show bands in Liverpool oh, well before okay. he's, right. the, he's the oldest of the lot of them right. by, okay. by almost a year So, but he he was you know, earning money as a musician be well before them, and he joined to replace their first drummer after the first right, single. Yeah. But he's uh, he's he's just, and I didn't have a lot of respect for him as a drummer before, and mostly because of the badly mixed records. But also, there are genuinely some moments on Beatles records where he is kind of plodding along a little bit and not being that inventive. Mm-hmm. But that said, he is a very very musical drummer you know drumming yeah. is all about feel and it's not necessarily about it's like your favourite singers probably aren't technically brilliant mm. like if you're a big Tom Waits fan which I really like a lot of Tom Waits music and I like his approach to it but technically he's probably no. all over my three favourite singers yeah. can't sing yeah like Kurt Cobain yeah. Tom Waits Shane McGowan yeah they can all sing but they're not like that they're not yeah. the purest voice yeah. they can sing but technically to, it's, yeah. it's, it's all over the place yeah. But, yeah. but he is he is very inventive you right. know, in lots yeah. of ways. And he, but just again, a gem of a year. Yeah, he just seems so lovely. Yeah. And those moments, you know, it was a lovely episode where Paul brought Linda and Heather, her daughter Heather, mm. into the studio. And I thought that was lovely. And yeah. it was also His interesting. interactions with her. Were yeah, so, we're yeah. so cute. Yeah. But yeah, and Ringo, poor Ringo gets a really bad name of drum. And I played the drums in secondary school around the time I was listening to Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, I used to play the drums. I was actually, uh, I was actually quite good. And then I stopped. <laughs> no, then I went to college and my father saw my drum kit. I came home one weekend and the drum kit was just gone. Also, yeah, yeah, yeah. Also, also sold our back. rabbits one time. We went to go and <laughs> came back, and our rabbits were gone. Anyway, so Not the same week as the drums. I think, no, no. I think it is my dude. Like, well, I paid for them, so uh, another weekend we came home and he cut all the trees around our houses. Just can't leave. Just waiting you know. to get everyone else's sister. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but um, yeah, I remember my drum teacher. It was a guy from the north. He used to teach me, and he hated Ringo Starr and every but single that, and I think I was doing it I was you have to for your yeah. practical you have to drum along to a song in junior search and I must have picked a Beatles song and every time he listened you could see him he was like oh for God's sake he'll say that he is the worst drummer no. so I was he, the same I, think I thought if you're a purist and you can't see beyond that he's going to annoy you yeah, because he does things technically wrong inverted commas like he's he's a left handed drummer I think playing a right handed kit so you know when you're and why did he do that why didn't he play because in, oh, to, in to a lot of a bit more interesting I tell you it, when, when, whenever we were doing we had to a, figure out what that looks like <laughs> so when you're playing drums uh, the snare is here and you're playing it with your left hand and the hi-hat is here and you're playing it with your right so you're kind of crossing your arms to play them okay. if you're so if you're if you're right handed you hit the snare with your left hand okay and vice versa so if you're uh, left handed you'll hit the snare with your right hand and the, the kit's kind of mirrored and so when you're playing uh, venues with other bands, the sound people will hate the fact that you're a left-handed drummer because they have to reorganize the kit and stuff like oh, that. Okay, okay. Right. So I think you force right. themselves to, like a lot of people who are left-handed, force themselves to learn how to write with their right hand. Mm-hmm. So he did it. But what that does is it means that when you're starting like a drum fill or a drum roll around the toms or whatever it is, you have to kind of consider which hand you hit first because it influences where the roll ends and you pick up the next bit. So if you say for instance you need to go to the the snare at the end if you finish in a way uh, where your snare hits and then you need to hit it again for the next beat you've, you've started wrong and ended wrong and then it messes up and it's almost like the rhythm has to reset itself a little bit and with an untrained ear like mine pick up that something you, was off there you might yeah it might it might just seem like the beat while it's in time it's kind of uh 
I don't know, the vast majority of people who are uh, right-handed, when they start walking, they start walking with their right foot. Okay. They put their right foot mm. forward. And it's just, it's just, when you go the other way, you, it's, it's, it's like, like if you try to do something with your left hand, it just feels off. slightly yeah, off. You have to yeah. concentrate that it's bit more. It's just like a slight so, thing. Yeah. yeah, so where the drum roll or drum fill starts and ends can be a problem if you're a left-handed playing a right-handed kit. But because of that, he does things that other drummers wouldn't do to mm. solve the problem. Okay. And he comes up, like if you listen to... Um, at the end of the of Abbey Road, the medley at the end of Abbey Road, where they're clearing house and getting mm. all their bits of songs and putting them together. Okay. It goes to this bit called the end, mm-hmm. which starts with this, you know, this bass drum, and then he does these weird fills, and they're all weird, weird mm. and off time, and they kind of, what is he doing? It's just not what you would expect, but it sounds amazing. Mm. And when they re-released all of the, well, they re-released three or four of the records now. Uh, it, remixed and remastered and basically they've taken the records and mixed them like they're modern records so before that if you listen to Beatles on headphones on CDs all of the drums and vocals would be in one ear and all the guitars would be in the other and it's just unlistenable on headphones and now it's a proper stereo mix so the bass drum is really up front where it never was before and you can really hear how good he is now yeah okay. that's the thing and since then I've listened professional to professional drummers do rate him yeah they that's really the thing so do, that was just know? for years I thought that and then since then I've listened to it a couple of times and yeah I couldn't even though I played the drums for that one year you know I'm not musically technical at all so mm. like we've seen so many times like, I can listen to something and like it but I won't know why I like it but with yeah. the drums and the Beatles I always thought there's something a bit interesting about that yeah. that sounds slightly different that's the whole thing about the Beatles like when you do listen to them now they have such a distinctive sound and I don't know what that is I don't know what's yeah. causing yeah, that but yeah, I would yeah. imagine it's a combination of everything it's Paul McCartney's writing and and the way he's composed things is John I didn't realise John Lennon was such a good guitar player until I saw yeah, this either he's better he's than so I good. thought he was actually yeah, yeah George great. Harrison as well kind of adds in all these yeah. interesting little things and I think it is Ringo's drumming as well I think it's a combination of yeah. all of them coming together it's, you know all good bands are a combination of the individual and you know Paul McCartney on his own is not as good as Paul McCartney and the Beatles mm. yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and I think the same of any of them it's a high yeah. bar to, to, to meet yeah. But, yeah. Um, but bands have chemistry and you take yeah. one person out and swap in another person it's not the, it's same. Not the same and yeah. does chemistry have a longevity so is there something great about the fact that the Beatles finished then yeah I mm-hmm. think so ultimately yeah I think some, somebody said recently that if uh, John Lennon was still alive he'd be uh a UKIP gammon, you know, kind yeah. of guy in England. Mm. Yeah. And I can kind of look at that and go, yeah, that's a possibility for sure. But bands should end, yeah. you know. And if a band can get out before the rot sets in, and it's just a rot of complacency and just mm. you play together too long or whatever, uh, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, they should have yeah. very few, but mm. I can't think of one that's lasted for very long and maintained what they're doing. You know, I yeah, think. I'm sure they yeah, exist. I'm sure there are two or three examples of it, but like, but I the think Stones didn't do it. The, no, you know, and nobody for that long. REM, no. REM, they had a they, they had a bit of a wobble towards the yeah, end, but they, they had have, that. They classic, sort of had their peak in the early nineties. Yeah, I think. I think they, they had a classic five album yeah. run. If you can get a five album run yeah. of greatness, yeah. your, your place in history is secured. Yeah, and I think yeah. they had it. You know, mm-hmm. Bowie had it, and yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah but he had it quite was. early, and then Dylan had it. Yeah, yeah, yeah there probably is because again, because they're so young, and I think you're right. I think there's a certain chemistry. There's so many kind of you know things going on that make something work as well as they mm. clearly worked yeah mm-hmm. and you know yeah it was just I, I just I found do you know what I found so Tiger King and, and certain things that become these cultural hits mm-hmm. in a moment right um, or Make You Murder or whatever the world needed eight and a bit hours yeah. with mm. the Beatles yeah. and their general like you say Lorraine their, their kind of manners their politeness mm. their creativity mm-hmm. even most of the people around them were kind of seemed like decent yeah. decent yeah, yeah. men yeah. And, and by the way my, I think my favourite character in the whole thing was the receptionist in the last episode oh, was, she, yeah. she was her name Deborah or something yeah. Yeah, and she's just not having a bar of the, of the police who come yeah. in and that she's just great. like well they're on the roof yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know yeah. And, and, they, yeah. and I felt so sorry for the two cops as well because yeah. they're so young as they well. are they're young like 21 and yeah. I mean they're quite polite they're kind of like yeah. you know is this necessary <laughs> yeah. like is there any way you could do this inside yeah, that's how it shows you that yeah. even people on the street were told it was the Beatles playing together yeah. for the first time in four more than four years in this country 
and they were still oh it's a very distressing for I local know, business yeah it was so <laughs> yeah. it just shows you like yeah. it's not yeah. like the Beatles Everyone are only the Beatles now, right? no, yeah. yeah the Beatles yeah, exactly. yeah. they yeah, weren't the, the Beatles then yeah. In, in, yeah. as far as we I was thinking that yeah. looking yeah. at the reactions of people because I thought they were as huge then as they are now I, they were but they were just I guess because I, they were the people, current then, yeah that's you know? the that's thing a, yeah. but I was surprised at how many people going oh right yes the Beatles okay yeah, that's kind of good you see the Irish woman in it Yes, there's an yeah. Irish woman's interview that yeah. I, it's great when you see older people saying, "Oh, yeah, it's yeah. great." Yeah, because you yeah. know, and there's loads like that in the documentary where people kind of surprise you. So they didn't just have a load of old straight people saying it's yeah. awful, mm-hmm. do you know. And the other thing was how, how London was nowhere near as multicultural. At least Savile Row was like it was very much yeah, yeah. white people. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Whereas yeah. you know, kind of when you think of London yeah. now, you think yeah. it was this massive oh, yeah. melting mm-hmm. pot. Yeah. Um, but one yeah. of the biggest moments, I guess, of the, of the whole thing was the moment where we see Paul bash out what becomes get back oh yeah and just that process of just, <laughs> just doing it and I, I love that because it yeah. was it's it's there's so much mystique about the Beatles and how they wrote mm. and just to see them just grind out something because yeah. you never see it you never see a great thing being created and the moment of creation I think it's I can't think of another example but the fact that you see that moment when he mm. finds the the bones of it and that but what i loved about it was that it shows you that you just do it yeah and you just, just bash that thing mm-hmm. out until yeah. two chords spark off each other and you go oh there's something there i'll add another one yeah. you keep adding a third one until those three sound good yeah. and another one until four sound yeah, good you just keep and it's, doing it's just but there's also that great narrative thing as he's doing it yeah. you know what it should sound like yeah, yeah exactly. so yeah. you can nearly stand in and say no no listen up here mccartney you know because that's what it is you almost it's that real satisfying thing at the end and then it's the same lyrically so when they have lyrics that are grand and now of them want lyrics yeah. that are grand yeah. Yeah. and then sometimes they get more obtuse the lyrics yeah. and they keep changing even when they're up on the roof and they perform get back three times yeah, they're still yeah. changing yeah, each time yeah, yeah, as yeah, they the have word. fun with it yeah. and you're right because so many of origin stories or hero stories are the stories of overcoming and I, I've always had this like and I know that's a real life thing but whether it's real life or the arts or whatever is you know it used to be kind of crap mm. and now it's genius level Mm-hmm. Yeah. or when you, you see it now say with people kind of overcoming say anxiety or depression or addiction yeah, I used to be in bits mm-hmm. and now I'm an absolute legend yeah. mm-hmm. and, the, and the most interesting part for me always is that process yeah. and you're yeah. right particularly that song and the weird thing is this mm-hmm. you probably hear that song 25, 30 times in the documentary mm-hmm. I never got sick of it yeah, no. I, I could listen to that too. song forever yeah, yeah I was I actually met an old saying get back they play that a lot but by yeah, the end, yeah. but then by the time it came to the end and it was such a lovely combination then when it came to the end and they yeah. sing get back and it's just yeah I, it was even better it was almost like because I'd seen it from the start or how it was made from the start now when I listen I listened to it again the yeah. other night and I just have such a newfound appreciation yeah. for it now but the funny thing was when he was when he first started playing it it was before it was in the very first episode John hadn't got there yet he was playing it to Ringo and, and George, George and he was just there on his guitar and Ringo's just there yawning the two of them just there because yeah. they're just obviously so used to Paul coming up with these like amazing songs and they're probably not even thinking of this as an amazing song it's just like yeah, another no song that Paul's yeah. coming up with and now just grinding I mean, it out yeah. but, I, I, but I really love that idea that it's you know that it shows them hard at work at this stuff mm. and there's no lightning bolt inspiration moments as, as I think with most art there isn't yeah, you know, I think you have these lucky days where you find something. It's really whittling, quickly. right? It, yeah, they're it, whittling it, away. Absolutely, yeah. and it's the you know the idea of what's the name um, Michelangelo seeing the giant block of marble and he knew the statue was in it, in it yeah. and he had to get it out. Okay, you know, rather than just chipping away till he, you know, found something, he knew it was in there and he just yeah. kept going. But it's it's with that stuff. I think it's all um, perseverance. Yeah. and you know, but the other thing about McCartney I really liked is his vocal ad-libs that he does yeah, are nuclear grade embarrassing <laughs> but he is not ashamed to kind of throw them going. out yeah, there until he gets the, the ones that work yeah. Yeah. and it's so embarrassing I think it's cringing listening to some of the things he says but but when he sat down and he kind of started playing um, The Long and Winding yeah. Road yeah. Yeah. which is just one of the most magnificent moments in the whole thing there's a great moment where Ringo is watching him and he says I could just watch him play forever yeah, like that. yeah. and it was just really really moving no, it is but, lovely, I, yeah. but just the demystifying of the process I think is, mm. is huge that was the biggest you know? thing because I have no idea how to compose songs or music so I'm always really fascinated with people who can do it anyway but just seeing that whole process but just how 
I suppose, like I was talking to Jolene about this because she said she's read Paul's autobiography and she often, she used to reference it to the animation students a lot because his whole thing was don't overthink the process. Yeah. Just kind of let it come it. to you and just do it. It's like that's the whole thing. Is so You just have to, rather than waiting for this big divine inspiration to come, you actually just have to sit down and start doing something and if something comes to you, don't overthink it too much. Just go with it and then try something else and that mightn't work and then you'll go with okay. that. So that was, for me, was one of the most interesting things. And it's, it's the down-to-earthness of mm. everything in the documentary. And but then the personality and yeah. the making of the music as well that's been exalted to this yeah. you know legendary style like you, you pick any Beatles song and I'm sure you can name 20 songs better than it anyone even what's considered their best song you'll, you'll name 20 songs that are better than that song but it's the consistency of the work and the breadth of it mm. and the, the, the pioneering kind of nature of it they did it not in a vacuum but they did a lot of things first yeah mm. and there's a great documentary called 20, 20th Century Greats on YouTube with a guy called Howard Goodall where he looks at their music and says well what is great about this what are they doing differently and there's a moment in I think it's Eleanor Rigby where the last chord there's a very funny thing just the last note goes up in a way that you're not expecting because a lot of times with music uh, depending on what key you're in you're expecting certain chords mm-hmm. we're kind of trained mm-hmm. to expect things and you kind of you know when you listen to music and you kind of go uh, there's no surprises in it in the mm. courts because mm. it's all in the particular family and they work together so they go with this weird one at the end and they go well, why did they do that you know where would they have heard a, a chord like that and he said it's not in popular music it's not in you know um, old British kind of vaudeville equivalents or whatever he said but where, you, where they would have heard it is in church so they're drawing in and it's a very like a 15th century technique to end a particular tune in this way um, but they would subconsciously draw in all of that stuff mm-hmm. way ahead of anybody else. Right, it's, yeah. it's that repetition and difference thing, right? Yeah. It's y- you need you need to recognise X amount of elements of the song, yeah. and then something needs to surprise you. And yeah. again, I think mm-hmm. it's the same across all art. Like yeah. you know, mm-hmm. you guys know I'm kind of obsessed with the TV show Atlanta. One of the things I love about it is you never know where it's mm-hmm. going or what's yeah. going to happen mm-hmm. next. And it's it's not that everything happens to surprise you because then you can't relate to it. Then yeah, it's like yeah. some of that avant garde jazz mm. that yeah, I yeah. just can't land with me if yeah. I knew more could. But it's funny because I remember watching a documentary years ago um, about cinema. Uh, I think it was the the Mark Cousins one. But there's this part where the interview Lars von Trier and we were in college. Lars von Trier was this real avant garde kind of filmmaker and he was famous that people would turn up on set and he would just have this idea for the day. But mm. you know he's meant to just be this genius basically and they're interviewing Lars von Trier and he's talking about his process and whatever and I remember looking in the background and seeing what's behind him he has this big massive long wall and on it he had four lines and it was like shots edits sounds and dialogue Mm -hmm. so I I forget what his next one was but Mm -hmm. it was some big massive weird whatever but I remember looking up here's this guy who like everybody thinks is just this absolute madman who turns up and just says, okay, so we're going to shoot this and put the camera there. There was this idea that was real guerrilla filmmaking mm. and real organic. And I looked at the wall behind him, it's like everything yeah. is plotted. Mm. And I remember saying to the lads, freeze that, what's that? So Lars von Trier, who's meant to be this thing, mm. I'm sure he is that within the moments, mm. but the spaces he leaves for difference yeah. are mm. tiny. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. you say, that's just one note and those yeah. tiny yeah. things are enough. Absolutely. But mm. everything else... It's recognising it. Exactly. Mm. Everything else for him was just this military style organisation yeah. you know and like we, we were in college making like three minute short films at the time yeah. thinking you know plotting stuff out was like yeah. a real pain in the arse because we were yeah. creatives yeah, yeah, and then yeah. you saw him and you're like oh my god yeah. Yeah. look at this guy yeah. mm. it blew all our minds I remember mm. we're all looking going, and like by the way this wall is like 30 feet long yeah, yeah. and every half like every centimetre there's another line yeah. saying yeah. what needs to happen at that point right. do you know that type of yeah, way yeah. it's amazing yeah. and there, there is kind of I think something to that with the Beatles mm. that it's it's work, it's process, it's planning, and then if you do all that, mm. the, the greatness will come mm. in little moments. Yeah. But also with their plan to just take two weeks to write fourteen that new songs, mm. and but two how weeks. they dug mm. in to do it, mm. and, but he could see at the time like McCartney was at his his peak. He, just music was just pouring out, yeah. and he was playing songs that weren't going to show up on albums for another year and a half or two years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was just and now there's times in it where they're playing Beatles songs that you never heard before and there's a good yeah. reason you never heard yeah, them some yeah. of them are just dreadful mm-hmm. but you know 
they were very good at curating the stuff they did and only letting most of the good stuff out. You know? Yeah, it's amazing how much they came up with though in those sessions because it's all, pretty much all of Let It Be and most of Abbey Road as well, yeah, and then some well. of John Lennon's solo stuff as well. Yeah, like Jealous, Jealous Guy was um, yeah. on the road to yeah. Marrakesh, Mar- was it? Rich, or, or something? Oh yeah, yeah not Marrakesh. Yeah, mm, and yeah. there was a, and then a couple of other solo stuff as well. The Child like, of Nature, he called it at one point as well. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. But it, yeah, there was a lot of and George Harrison stuff. The one yeah. point I felt truly sorry for George Harrison was like he's a very sympathetic character in lots of ways but he there's a moment where he's playing the song All Things Must Pass yeah and it's the title of it the album he went to release afterwards like he, he had a, he did a triple album mm. as soon as they finished because he had all this stuff built yeah. in and it's probably the best solo Beatles record in lots of ways but he uh, he was playing this song it's a really lovely song and Paul basically goes, yeah, that's good. Let's do Maxwell Silver Hammer instead, which he, is... That's right. Yeah. It's that is probably it's the worst song on that song. album. I don't like it, it at all. It's what John used to call his granny music. Yeah. Because he's like, when I'm 64, and yeah. honey pie and stuff like that. And just this real old... <laughs> yeah, plodding along. That's the thing about Paul McCartney. He's obviously amazing. And I do think... You know, there's this whole thing between Lennon and McCartney. Yeah. And I, I would have always thought, I'm pretty sure Paul McCartney's... <laughs> he produced a lot more stuff than John Lennon. And now from watching this documentary, yeah. I think it even more... But that's the thing about Bob McCartney. He does seem to have a liking of these kind of yeah. but those songs, songs as well. Even though yeah. they're very twee and what have you, musically they're rock solid. Oh really? When you, okay. When you look at the chords and how they're put together, they're so inventive. And I do so, like when I'm sixty four. So yeah. interesting. Mm. And musically he's so knowledgeable about how to make a really robust tune, you know? Right, and yeah. like even down to the fact that we all know those songs and they're, they're, they're just such earworms they'll just hook yeah. into you and just they're and like Penny Lane as well I think is, is the song that's kind of slightly outside that granny music but it's mm. a beautifully made song and it just his his musicality is just mm. unbelievable but, yeah, yeah he's such a knack for coming up with songs that you think you've heard already yeah. like you know the, the first time I hear some of the songs that I'd always kind of think oh that sounds quite familiar and I never know whether I've actually heard it before or he just seems yeah. to have this ability to make familiar sounding yeah. songs I don't but George know is very good at that too like if you look at um, like uh, I think it's something uh, people always do bad versions of that they do the simplified version of it or if you see somebody doing the song Let It Be mm-hmm. Let It Be on, on its surface is very very ordinary major chords for the most part uh, very traditional but when you look at the what he's actually playing he's doing that but every major ordinary chord, he's doing a variation on it, a subtle variation that makes it more interesting. So you can do the ABC version of it, or mm. you can do his version of it, which is much, you know, it's, it's, you know, that simplicity or apparent simplicity comes about because it's actually more complex than you think it is. Mm. Yeah. But it's just effortless sounding. Mm. And that's what he's brilliant at, I think. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. And the guy who came in, the keyboard player, who oh, just, just, been he's he's who just so happened great. to walk in at the time. Yeah. He was only 23. And just yeah. came in and he really meant, that was lovely. Like, for me, great. anyway, the, from the second, the first episode was great because it set it up, but it w- there was parts where, you know, it was, you know, it, obviously a long episode. I think yeah, the first episode was almost three now. hours and that's when they're at their most friction. But then from the second episode on, as soon as they move to that studio on Sabah Road, that's just a completely different, because they're in this big, horrible TV studio warehouse, whatever is the beginning. It looks so different. Pressing, and then they move to well. the yeah, and then they move to Savaro, and then all of a sudden, John Lennon seems to be not on heroin anymore. No. All of a sudden, he's got all this energy, and he's kind of pulling up in the Rolls Royces with their suicide yeah. doors. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but and then your man Billy Preston comes in then as he well, and uh, yeah, that was brilliant. So, so he just starts joining in, and becomes <laughs> yeah. the best part on the track as yeah. he just smiles away to himself. Yeah, and uh, there's a lovely moment where George is asking, he's playing a song on the piano that he's come up with. And he's saying, "What's this chord, Billy?" And he's, yeah. and he's just explaining. He's like he's playing all these things that he doesn't actually know what they are, you know. Yeah. And uh, but they're they're musically quite complex. But he just has no he training. Know. And he yeah, can't, that's he can't thing, articulate yeah. it. But I, I just love that dynamic between them all. And he's so happy, happy to were. be there. Yeah. 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 He's yeah. just like. But how overjoyed the they are with. With his, with his playing there's a great yeah, moment where McCartney's so generous towards him there's no yeah. there's no threat it's just yeah. like oh yeah. do your thing yeah, let's no, go because they know yeah. it's, it's making them yeah. sound better yeah. 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 The yeah. yeah the part where Bob McCartney leans over it's like sorry Billy nobody's actually asked you do you want to be here <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you mind yeah. coming in every day and when he starts talking about <laughs> yeah. money it's like is he getting paid yeah, yeah. 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 it's a great moment before he gets there it's like who's paying him 
in him. See, the whole organization seemed to run on toast as well. It was quite and tea, biscuits, orange diluted orange. So bloody quaint British, isn't it? They drank a lot of tea. They also drank a lot though as well. And then I suppose that's maybe just part of the culture. They never seemed drunk though, unless they just weren't shy. That's what I couldn't understand. They never seemed drunk, and they never seemed to be stirring. But they had a very, they had a very British work ethic towards it. This was work. And they yeah. show up at Maybe they 10 and they go then. at 5 or whatever it is. Yeah. Right, but yeah. they had they kept business hours for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. They'd all come in saying, did you watch that thing on TV last night? Yeah, like yeah. 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 there's some yeah. great moments at the start yeah. of the end where they sit yeah. in the chairs. And then you also have, because that's the other point, that's when they interact with their management. It's when they interact uh, with the filmmakers, mm. you know, the start and off at yeah. the end of the day. And I love how they treat other people. Yeah. Because it's like, the other people obviously have the deference to stand back when the other stuff is, is kind of taking mm. place. But also, they kind of treat these people as as, as peers, you know. Oh, it's yeah. like, yeah. and the, and the other people don't seem to need their approval too much. Yeah, there's yeah. a lovely, healthy yeah. like that's yeah. a, it, it was a remarkably wholesome viewing. Yeah, uh, overall, it was just mm. nearly there were no villains. Yeah, yeah. right. The only, the only there were no villains. Nice, yeah. The only part in it that kind of made me go, oh no, it was. Um, John is talking about meeting this guy called Alan oh, Klein. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. who's going to become his manager. And, oh, okay. and that's eventually what breaks them yeah. up because Paul doesn't want to go with this guy and the other three do and it turns out Paul oh, was right yes. he's, yes. just, he's the guy who basically denied the verb all the money from Bittersweet Symphony because he had he owns the publishing on the orchestral version of the Rolling Stone that that sample is taken okay. from okay. so he, mm. he denied it he was just a ruthless mm-hmm. uh, money maker did we see him in us? Because I remember that. No, we hear them talking about it. And they've met him. Remember they got one of, I can't remember who it is, one of their management does say it, who's John's talking about, they met this guy and he was amazing, whatever else, and the guy who's with them uh, was saying, he has this funny habit though of just you know if he doesn't like what you're saying he will interrupt you in the middle of your sentence yeah. and just start talking about something else so there is yeah. somebody else there who seems to have already picked up on the yeah. fact that there's something yeah. not right but okay. it seemed like jo- apparently John just hired him without consulting any of the rest of them yeah and that that was the beginning of the end really, yeah. because within within a year basically it was over you know mm. from that moment you know yeah. but it's it's just such a cinematic story as well you know the yeah. the like Georgia 14 when they met then they go to Hamburg and then they all the success and then they retreat from it and then it ends prematurely some would say and just the it's like the there's like sadness baked into it but yeah. you know it has to end yeah I was yeah. I was, I was there, were, there were two things that made me very sad yeah. in the last few weeks watching them on television number one was you're right right from the start of that yeah. and again like I say it was a documentary to me I didn't know yeah. But right from the start of that, there was a definite sadness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like the filmmaker obviously kind of, uh, you know, focused on this because there were a lot of close-ups of people's faces mm-hmm. when other people are doing like reaction yeah. shots. Yeah. Um, lots of that. Uh, another reason I loved Ringo, when he noticed the camera and he just mm-hmm. kind of looked at it and made these faces, mm-hmm. he was gas. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I watched that tick, tick, boom with, with, with one of my sons there. And yeah. the same thing right yeah. from the beginning. Uh, there's just this sense of, oh, this is going to yeah. break my heart. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and we, we, which it then goes on to do. But I, I kind of got that right from the beginning. Mm-hmm. I got this sense of, and it wasn't in any way manufactured. It didn't feel, no. and it wasn't over. It was just like yeah, a lot of like level, level sadness of human relationships, yeah, yeah. which, which yeah. you know, you can't spend that much time with anybody and not yeah, have. This is what yeah. I, yeah. And I was saying this to, to you the other day, Lorraine. That um, the day I was born was the last uh, photo taken of all four Beatles together. So that's nineteen sixty. Oh, I just you know one of those things when you see okay. events yeah. that happen. People yeah, share yeah. your birthday, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I remember seeing this final picture of the Beatles. But I hadn't really put it together. In that, in Get Back, it's 1969, mm. and it's February, that, or the end of January, start of February, that it's kind of all over at that point. Okay. And then, then you realize that in seven months, the last picture of all four of them together will be taken. Yeah. You know? Mm. And then another five months after that, their last album will come out. Mm. So the, there was never really any moments where they were all together after that. I got, like yeah. within a year they, they never all saw each other again yeah. can you come yeah. away from that and not be destroyed I got really sad when it, when I it's, watched the end of it yeah. and then I saw that this was the last time the, the Beatles ever I didn't know that and I got yeah. really sad yeah. after yeah. that and I'm not even a massive Beatles fan and the other thing that made me sad was seeing John and Paul and the lovely relationship that they had and they just had it so much fun together it, yeah. yeah I know yeah. like in that particular moment they're just like schoolboys where they're just la- and they're really funny like they, they I imagine funny. they're very funny they would have been very funny people mm. to be around and to know that in like what is it 10 or 12 years John Lennon would be dead, be dead. Yeah. and in such a violent way as well and it's just there's something very 
sad about the whole thing, but also I just think it's yeah. I thought it was that it was such it was such a it's so brilliant that that documentary yeah. was made. It was such a, mm. such a lovely capsule yeah. of that you never particular see it moment in yeah. time. Yeah. You never see people so naive about the format. Yeah, give so much of their time at that level of success and that expose that themselves to that much scrutiny when they're trying to make something out of thin air. Yeah. A lot of times you'll see a yeah. promo piece or something that's, you know, aren't we great and look what yeah. we made. But I don't think you'll ever see that again. But what mm. I loved, I think probably the final thing that I'll, I'll say, it was the um, the joy of that final performance. Yeah. And when, yeah. when they're playing the first song and McCartney does a little it's kick a little with kick. his leg. Like, yeah. I was it's almost so out of my cute. seat. I was yeah. just... Yeah, just yeah. in love with them all over again. And mm. then what I really loved was seeing them after the gig, back in back in the building having the again, just having mm. to talk about Listening it. Just, back to yeah, it. yeah mm. and just being kind of just that exhilaration of having played was just yeah. great to see. You know, yeah. so yeah. it was just like you say, it's one of the most wholesome things I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. And I think yeah, because you were saying before you watched it, is it worth a watch? Because mm. you weren't that much of a Beatles fan. Yeah. Saying. But I would urge anyone to see it. Definitely, I think yeah. I think it would make you a Beatles yeah. fan as well. Yeah, it would. Yeah. And even the parts that were, because um, the pacing of it was very unusual. Mm. Yeah. You know, it was like the pacing was the pacing, and you either embrace it or you don't, because yeah. mm. there were kind of parts where there were just long musical yeah. parts yeah. Yeah. I could have watched like I want the I want the redux of that Yeah, I want the 80 hour version yeah. 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 I'd have, I feel like I'd have no problem oh, watching no, them yeah. drink yeah. their tea yeah. it was just like you know yeah no when I found out first of all it was 8 or 9 hours I remember thinking Psst, oh, there's no way I'm going I'm to be skipping <laughs> through this and yeah by the end I wanted another like yeah, now I totally under, it had to be those 8 or 9 hours I couldn't and I remember seeing an interview Agreed. with Peter Jackson and he said and that was even cutting it down from whatever it was they had like what, 90 hours of footage or something yeah. like that or more yeah. probably yeah, even more of audio yeah it's, yeah, that Over was the thing audio, yeah. and he was just saying there were so many good moments and he was so aware every time he was cutting anything out he had to really think about okay is this important though do I need to keep this in and yeah it needed to be those 8 or 9 hours and, and it was a lovely 8 or 9 hours it was <laughs> it was <the> right <laughs> yeah so <laughs> where are you there <laughs> I don't know I went into another another place I think it's that kind of very um, yeah. civilised now that we're talking about these civilised yeah. people we all need a Mal Evans as well you know Mal who would get them their tea and write oh, down the lyrics I yeah. love Mal yeah, he was just I also love sorry just my last point on it so at the moment when they're playing on the uh, on the roof and the police come in and they don't want to lie to the police mm. yeah. so when Mal comes down and they're saying like what are they doing and he's like you know they're just playing a few songs and your man's going like on the roof yeah. <laughs> and he was going yeah and he's, he's basically saying how hey, we can it sounds like he's trying to say I'm going to turn off something that he knows will make no difference yeah. in the volume yeah, just yeah. to buy five minutes so he's like I'll turn off the air conditioning yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. so because none of them are assholes yeah, yeah. and yeah. even when the police turn up on the roof and they walk out and they must get this sense mm. themselves oh this is deadly yeah. so the, McCartney is delighted oh, McCartney is loving it <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then it's like I think Ringo stops for a second and keeps going and, and then but they, they almost give the two fingers up to the police very briefly for five yeah. minutes mm. in a way that couldn't even offend the police yeah. like it's just this great moment of like nothing against you guys yeah, but we're gonna keep but we're just gonna keep going here, yeah. and, and it's just man that yeah. la you're right there was, there was something ecstatic about those yeah. last oh, few yeah. minutes of the group yeah yeah, yeah. you can uh, feel the excitement between yeah. them yeah. yeah just the joy yeah. of playing together it's mm. just yeah. uh, like it's See, that's really, I don't know what that's like yeah and, and a friend of mine <laughs> said it there the other day on, on Facebook he just finished watching it and he said I'm just so glad at one point I was in a band yeah because all bands have the same highs and lows in lots of ways and the same problems it's just scale and it's just money that maybe amplifies or changes yeah. but all bands have the same issues And but when it's good yeah. and when it's enjoyable mm. and when you're making music and there's moments when you're making music together where it's like everyone goes up a gear mm -hmm. in that moment and you all know it and you all look at each other and kind of go it's happening and it happens maybe once or twice a year where you feel yourself we've played together enough where we go up a bit and maybe it's like football as well where you kind of go oh yeah. I'm better this year than last year yeah, and you, yeah. and, but you didn't notice you're getting better but one, mm -hmm. day, one game you kind of go oh I can do something that I couldn't do or we're all just working together as a team better but those moments are just magic and you can see them having one in that yeah. moment it's yeah. just incredible yeah. so here's the one joy of it do you, do you relate to the Beatles arrogantly <laughs> 
in the way that any band would in that you can see the dynamics and I think this yeah. kind of humanises them in so many no, ways totally. they kind of go yeah that's how it is in bands one person is just standing there grinding away at their instrument and the rest of them are sitting there waiting for them to finish mm, and like yeah. in our old band like Brian would be trying to work out something very complicated on the drums and he was brilliant and he had ruined it great drummer as well and they'd be trying to work things out and trying to figure out the, the, the organisation of their hands to do something and he'd be sitting there going would you ever and then, but then they do it and then it shows up and you're playing mm. later and you all benefit and it's yeah. just great so I think every band would would relate to it but also I just think for anyone who's interested in anything creative yeah. I think mm. it's a wonderful yeah. thing to watch you know Definitely. the demystifying of it and humanising of it is just amazing yeah, yeah it is yeah. it is good so definitely recommend yes it. it's on Disney Plus I'd also recommend getting your booster shot so my, I got mine. My, my phone rang a few minutes ago and it was my doctor ringing to give me my booster you're getting your booster already you get to my age Lorraine yeah that's true I've already I'm surprised got you don't even oh you have yours already <laughs> I'm a second booster the Beatles last photograph was taken the day I was born already god <laughs> I probably got it before I very young <laughs> you got it before COVID came out yeah. <laughs> yes there's no COVID is <laughs> what's this COVID that you're talking about um, yeah, so we're going to recommend that. Yep, very, definitely, very yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Great. Four stars. Four stars. <laughs> four only four. Out of four. Oh, yeah. I'm five, like four to four and a half. <laughs> I'm going full five, five stars. I'm, I'm going to go with five stars. stars. If that's not five, you, you don't is? get really much better than that. You've got all the emotions yeah, there. Five stars. Yeah. Five stars. <laughs> After all that, four stars. <laughs> five stars. The longest review we've ever yeah. done. Four. We'll give it a four. 80%. Yeah. Great. Thanks very much for joining us, Dave. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Dave. Are we going to do Auburn our bye? Says, yeah, I think we should. <laughs> we do a bye at the end. Do you want to join to in? To each other. Yeah, no, we just, just, like to we the just say it. We just kind of sing it in a way. All right. No, I don't, but I'll go with it. <laughs> okay, so three, two, one. Bye. Oh, you're <laughs> <laughs>